Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fabulous 400th episode of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? You're calling me Joe still, huh? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I was going to put a question mark at the end, but... Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you'll have to listen to After Dark for a little bit more on that. But uh, it's still going to be Joe on here for the foreseeable future. Thank God. Get that out of the way. You have to dust it... off that post-it note. Oh, no, it was a big piece of paper that I just put in front of the screen. On my laptop, my fancy setup here for the podcast. Oh, really? Yes, I have a mic and a laptop, Joe. And, and a printer. milk crate. <laughs> yes. And I and I have this, uh, like, I have a milking stool from uh, my grandfather's farm that I sit on in front of it. I actually have, I think we may have talked about this in the show, uh, my desk chair is from my job that I had before, the super secret science job that I have now when they went out of business. 18 Ooh. years ago, and we're getting rid of office supplies. That's my chair. And then I have a uh, drum stool that's mo- more duct tape than stool that I put my foot up on when I record. Oh, that that good wheel of yours? That's the lap of luxury. Uh-huh. And sometimes if I'm the... feeling fancy, Todd, I'll mm-hmm. reach my foot out a little bit further ooh, and put it on the garbage can. <laughs> You're living the life of Riley there, Joe. Not Riley Martin, I hope. I don't know who that is. That's Oqua Tenzin One. See, Riley Martin was a guy who used to come on the Howard Stern show, and he was abducted by aliens. Or so he claimed that he was. Claimed. He probably was. Just like What's-His-Face in Independence Day. Related but unrelated, he was also arrested for for trying to transport (laughs) 400 pounds of uh, marijuana across state lines. He probably just thought it was oregano. Related but unrelated. (laughs) Okay. So, Todd, what do we have to discuss on the landmark 400th episode of this uh, this year podcast? Very small amount of news. Uh, we have uh, a fledgling, a floundering Comic-Con is going to start their own comic line, I think. Uh, what? Okay. Uh, also, uh, speculation on what Comixology is going to be announcing in the next couple of days. Uh, we also have con news. Free digital books and sales, what we read last week, uh, light week for us. We're going to just talk about Invincible Iron Man 600, the final Bendis issue at the the, uh, Marvel era forum. What we're looking forward to this week, which is probably the toughest week we'll ever have in our entire show, past, present, or future. That's correct. Um, Yep. Uh, Art Attack, many things with the Art Attack, and some interesting uh, information about pricing that seem to people seem to love. And at the end of the show, we're going to have spoiler-filled talk of Krypton, the season finale, Flash, the season finale, and also Han Solo, a Star Wars story. It was just Solo, a Star Wars story, right? Well, I was going to say a Star Wars tale. Solo goes west. Oh. Anyone? No, just me? All right. Solo, they can't even hear you. Um, and maybe we'll discuss what uh, we're going to do after all this now that most of the TV shows are gone. At least for a couple months. Yeah. Right. So let's get into it. 
Um, so again, as Todd mentioned, light news week, I think because of the holiday and everything, there mm-hmm. wasn't a ton going on. Um, and I only bring this particular news story up, uh, cause Wizard World, uh, famous of the previous comics pricing guide magazine of the nineties, currently slightly less famous for their comic book conventions, uh, look to be doing a comic book line called Wizard Immersive. Right. Uh, for, they've trademarked the name for comic books, printed publications, magazines, in the field of pop culture, comics, exhibitions, conventions, etc., etc. Um, so, is this going to be similar to when they did their comics line Black Bull back in the 2000s? I barely even remember that. Right. I only remember that because there was a book called Gate Crashers. That was written by Mark Wade and had Amanda Connor covers. I remember Tom doing a, a, like a like a design piece or maybe a cover of someone sitting at like a live like a personal library desk with like a globe and everything. And I don't know if that ever became of anything. I will have to ask him next time. I, well, I will next time I see him because I know he he got some work doing concept stuff for that back in the day. That's all I remember now that we, now that we think about it. And I remember there was a book called Just a Pilgrim that was uh, Garth Ennis and Glenn Fabry, I think. Oh my god, that was so good. I remember that now. I didn't know that 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 was that company. Yes, it was. Because hmm. I knew I, I knew there was a uh, Garth Ennis Glenn Fabry book. I just couldn't remember the title of it, so I did have to throw it in the old Duck 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 Go. Right, right. Uh, the the Mark Wade book was called Gate Crasher, and uh, Jimmy Palmiotti had a book called uh, Beautiful Killer as well. Hmm. And I think there was maybe one other book that they had something called Shadow Reavers. Oh, okay. So look at this. Okay, Shadow Reavers, written by Pat McCollum. Uh, with our, who I think was like one of the what a, whatever whatevers at Wizard, right? Uh, with interior arts by Nelson. Oh my god, I remember Nelson. Okay, with covers by like they would have, like every issue would have a different person doing a cover. It would be like Greg Horn does a cover, Glenn Fabry does a cover, uh. Uh, your boy Kevin McGuire does a cover. <laughs> and then the alternate cover for the Shadow Reavers book was done by Tom Durenick. Tom Durenick, that's yes. right. Yes. Do, you, do, do they have a picture of that cover? No. I What I found is only like the non-Tom Durenick covers. Oh, okay. I'm sure if I looked a little bit harder, I could find the Tom Durenick covers, but I'm not gonna. Is Shadow Reavers one word? It's two or words. Two words. Shadow Reavers. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see what Wizard does here, because I remember we did a news story recently that they were going to be bringing back Wizard Magazine or some sort of magazine with pop culture, and their conventions are so under the radar these days. They had one a couple weeks ago in Philly that I heard and saw nothing about until the day of the convention. 
Right, which is funny because I didn't notice that it wasn't in the con links that we had. Right. And the because the fancy gentleman was trying to get me to go because there were some actors that he wanted to get his picture taken with actresses, and I was like that that. Pass, that's passed me by unless it's something like it would take like a, one of the doctors that I haven't taken my picture with or Clint Eastwood to be there and that's it and they're not comic book cons anymore you know what I mean the wizard ones they're not they're just so but I forgot to, to mention that to you that there was one the other week and I say this to you Todd of course and I say this to any of our listeners I, I attempt to do this you know when we talk about the show and I put the conventions in the show notes and I can't put everything uh, in the show notes, but if there's something glaring that I've missed, and I really try to grab everything, but even today, um, when I was getting the list together, and I grabbed, you know, I think we have, um, let me look, in the conventions this week, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, and one of them was because I had to go and hunt down the wizard one, because I'm like, I don't want to miss it again. And then there were two other ones that I couldn't pull the information up for because either the websites didn't work or they took me to a Facebook page that had little to no information or it was difficult to find the information on the Facebook page. What page do you use? Uh, there's a site called Convention Scene. Okay. That like kind of breaks things out by like all conventions, uh, just toy, just anime, comic, and then they'll do things by calendar. But obviously when there's like seven things that are all happening on the same week and the calendar view doesn't work so much. So I'll do comic book and I'll do toy sometimes because things get coded wrong. But they miss things sometimes and I really do try my best. Like if I see an ad in a book uh, somewhere, I'll make sure to just like add that to my notes to make sure that I'll go and search that out. But um, I don't know what Wizards game plan is these days, man. And I don't know if right. getting back into publishing is the right idea, but who knows, you know? Mm-hmm. So I wish luck. them luck. Yeah, uh, good luck. Maybe Shadow Reavers 2 will get Tom some more work. Huh. I would be down for that. Mm-hmm. So, um, the other bit of news is something that's been kind of, um, it, I guess, in the works for a couple weeks, but because it's coming up this week, we'll be talking about it this week. And then next week when it actually happens, Comixology has been announcing that they're going to have a huge announcement, an epic announcement that they claim uh, this Friday at 2 o'clock, um, well, 5 o'clock Eastern Time, the only time that matters, uh, <laughs> specifically regarding their Comixology originals. Uh, they're going to be streaming it live on Amazon Pop-Ups, Amazon Books, and on Twitch. Which I don't know what that is. Okay, so Twitch is a thing that people use to stream video games. Mm -hmm. But more and more wrestling companies have been uh, <laughs> streaming their events on that show to moderate to little success. Right. And one of Twitch's selling points is that we'll give you custom emojis for people to use in the chat during your show. That's a great idea. That's I know Jim... I know Jim Lee does Twitch to uh, to to show his when he does his like just sketches and stuff like that. I don't know how that works. I don't know if you have to subscribe and pay. I don't even know. But Amazon but then he, Books. Oh, sorry. And then he gives he gives the sketch away to one of the Twitch viewers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. But Amazon Books and Amazon Pop Up are kiosks 
and uh, stand-up store locations that are nowhere near us. But the Amazon pop-up locations are kiosks uh, at Whole Foods and Kohl's department stores across the United States. I've never seen a Whole Foods, but I have seen a Kohl's. Someone uh, who you and I both know um, with silver hair <laughs> purchased food at Whole Foods this past weekend, and it smelled ter- it smelled terrible. Terrible? Yes. But it's, isn't that supposed to be all natural for you? If you want to go down to the Park, cent- the Park City Center in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. there's an Amazon pop-up there. Okay. All right. Just in case. I'll keep it in mind. Or you can watch on Twitch. You know, Todd, when you're playing, um, Never Watch or Undertale or games like that. I don't know. These are new games. Never Nude. So I don't know. I, I think uh, because it's something around uh, along the signs of Comixology Originals, I'm guessing Comixology has probably signed some big name creator or creators to head a shared universe line that's separate from Marvel, Image, DC, Valiant, Dynamite, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Who do you think it is? I don't know. Um, if you wanted me to guess, I could guess that it's the, the aforementioned Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor versed type people, like your Frank Thierry's, your people like that, who are kind of doing stuff, but they aren't doing anything really big at any of the big two or three right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Jimmy and Amanda, Jimmy, you know, uh, they both put out stuff primarily... Um, creator-owned stuff they were putting out as Kickstarters for a long time. This could be a different avenue of them going through instead of doing Kickstarter exclusives for a lot of their stuff. Maybe this is a new thing they're doing. And I'm just, I'm basing this on nothing. Oh, no, I'm just, this is playing the fun, hot take speculation game. Mm-hmm. Um, Purely speculation. Right, I can't think, I'm, I couldn't imagine who it would be if they were going to announce. Like you said, maybe they are announcing, like, maybe a line of comics, but I don't know who, you know, who the, who would be... It could be, but Jimmy and, and, and Amanda is a good guess because are they doing anything that we know of right now? Like, cause they left Harley Quinn and that, I haven't seen them do anything. I know they're doing the, uh, Harley Quinn Gossamer one shot that's coming out that we talked about last week. Right. And they're doing things, drips and drabs, nothing really major. No right ongoings. Now. No ongoings. Right. Hmm. Maybe. So it'll be interesting to see on how that shakes out, I'm sure, depending on the hugeosity of said news, we'll be discussing on next week's show. Right. So uh, that's really all there is for news this week. There's a bunch of conventions uh, going on this weekend. Uh, I wanted to give them first uh, crack here. Wizard World is having a convention, Todd. Oh, they are? In Des Moines, Iowa. Mmm. Um, however, the two big names that I guess you would want to see that are going to be there are Butch Patrick. Ooh. And, uh, some Tenant guy? What's this guy's name? Uh, the Purple Man. Oh, okay. I know who that is from the Jessica Jones TV show and nothing else. That's right. 
Um, and again, you know, the last couple of weeks we've been playing the game of like, oh, what's the one, you know, that you'd want to go to? Um, and, you know, it's kind of slim pickings except for one biggie, uh, here. Uh, Lilac City Comic Con in Spokane, Washington is going to have Lou Ferrigno, Mike Ooh. Grell, and Daniel Logan. Now, Todd, you're going to ask me. Who's Daniel Logan? Daniel Logan is Boba Fett when he was a little boy and he was sad because his dad died. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> See all groans up, groans up, and groans up now? I don't know. The picture they use of him on the site is a picture of him as a little boy who's not, who's still sad even though he's in a picture with his dad. Oh. It was foreshadowing sadness. <laughs> yes. Uh, the San Jose Super Toy and Comic Show in San Jose, California is going to have Lindsay Wagner... The Bionic Woman? Mm-hmm. And star of Critters, D. Wallace. Oh, that is a double feature right there. <laughs> I know she's been in other stuff, but the only thing I know her from is, is uh, Critters. Okay. D. Wallace. The Albany Comic Con. Where's uh, that at? Albany, New York. Oh, okay. Albany. Uh, Tom Fowler is going to be there. Ron Mars is going to be there. And from the world of sports and entertainment, Todd. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred Ottman, who has competed under such names as the Big Steel Man, Tugboat, uh, Typhoon, and the Shockmaster will be there. I think I know about the Shockmaster. I heard about him. That's right. He had a fantastic run, but anyway. He did. It was more of a fall, but anyway. <laughs> But the biggie this weekend would be the Niagara Falls Comic Con. Slowly I turn. Slowly I turn. That's right. <laughs> I said that to someone recently and they didn't get it. And that was yet another constant reminder I'm old. As soon as you said Niagara Falls, I'm like, if he ain't saying it, I am. <laughs> so, uh, from media, uh, it's, it's more of a media convention. Very little comic book people that I'm seeing at this one. Um, but the names that are at this one are huge and fantastic. So huge and fantastic, Todd, that I'm starting with the wrestling people that are going to be there. Oh, boy. Uh, the Big Show is going to be there. I'm a giant! Uh, Charlotte's grandfather is going to be there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Greg the Hammer Valentine. I hear he's a nice guy. And Brutus the something barber beefcake is going to be there. No, oh, I thought you were saying, uh, I thought you were going to say Bruno Sammartino. No, come on now, Todd. Let's not joke about that. Well, I don't know. He's, he's, well, I'm not going to make a joke anyway. <laughs> they were right, he's right where they left him. Now, this is the, maybe one of the strongest and most diverse media list guest things that I've seen in a long time, Todd. Okay. So Michael Rooker is going to be there. Right. Michael Rooker, Gardens of the Galaxy, Locking all the way back dead. to Mallrats is Mr. Svenning, a legend. Mm. Uh, Ralph Macchio is going to be there. Pushing that Hulu, that YouTube TV show. That's right. Uh, sadly, Sensei Lawrence will not be there, or I'd be <laughs> making the trip uh, in a barrel <laughs> over the falls to go see him. <laughs> well, you have been in a barrel before. That's right. Jaleel anyway, White is going to be there, Todd. Oh, wow. Did he do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Donald Gibb uh, making his second uh, <laughs> mention in the convention thing in, in three weeks 
if Donald Gibb is on the convention circuit, Todd, mm-hmm. and he comes a little bit closer, I'm going to get that Mark picture with Ogre. I, Francis uh, Palawaski. Al- Aloysius. Aloysius. I forgot about the Aloysius. <laughs> Don't shortchange the Aloysius. Now, here's where things get interesting with the media guest list, Todd. It wasn't interesting with Ogre? We talk all the time about the... Well, okay. Uh, Wilford Brimley is going to be there. He's got the diabetes. So we talk about the the Mark photo, or the double Mark photo, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you get your picture with William Zabka and, you know, Ralph Macchio, that's a good one. You get your picture taken with your Michael J. Fox and your Christopher Lloyd, that's a good one. Uh, you get your picture taken with, like, a Rob Van Dam and a Donald Gibb for your Bloodsport double shot, that's a good one. Uh, you get your picture taken with Brutus the something Barber Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine, uh, you know, that's another good one. I think we found the one that might top them all, Todd. All the group photos thing, yes. Double shot. Mm-hmm. George Went and Cliff Ratzenberg are going to be at this convention, Todd. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's my God. The, that's the money double mark photo. Uh, what was his name? What was George Went's name? Mr. Peterson. Norm. Norm. No, but no, because Woody Harrelson used to always call him Mr. Peterson. He's like, how's life in the fast lane, Mr. Peterson? Don't know, Woody. Can't find the on-ramp. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and Cliff Clavin, uh, Ratzenberger, he's the underminer from <laughs> Incredibles. He might be in Incredibles, too, for all we know. Okay. Because he was in all the uh, Pixar movies. All Doesn't right. he have a voice in all of them? What? So, how much is the double is the picture with the two of them? One fifty-five. Is that what you're shooting for? Yeah. One oh five. Oh, I overshot it by fifty. That's a steal. That is a steal. I would totally get that picture. Now, just to put things into perspective, the. Greg the Hammer, Valentine, and Brutus the, you know what, Barbara Beefcake. It's only 60 bucks for the double shot. Oh. Yeah, but they're probably going to do a run-in on the, the Cheers photo op. Well, I don't know how much run those two are doing <laughs> these days. but <laughs> Anyway, if you're heading to the Niagara Falls Comic Con and uh, you don't get the double mark photo with uh, Cliff and Norm, then really what are you doing with yourself? And I said Cliff Ratzenberg, John Ratzenberg. I have Cliff Clavin on the mind. Ah, oh, see? Uh, who are two people who have never been in my kitchen? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So all the links to that, of course, will be in the show notes, uh, as will link to the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com or soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in our little umbrella of uh, podcasts goes up or anytime that any of the folks on said podcasts are on another show, we put the show up. I think I missed Jason's appearance. Uh, on uh, Radio Free Cybertron last week. Um, this is his subtle reminder to remind me of those. I'm still not in the schedule of that. Of course, Podvocacy, Everlasting uh, Minute, uh, which Jason and David do on a weekly basis. Uh, we have our shows, of course, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, with uh, information about uh, my rebirth, 
my reemergence, my something uh, from oh. this past weekend, and we play a little bit with it. <laughs> and uh, Todd also went to go see Jack White. Yes, this past weekend and all the adventures therein, uh, profane arguments, uh, Puzzle Warriors three and Fresher and Parlance returned this past week after six weeks it was six week absence. Or uh, uh, they were uh, uh, detained for six weeks, oh, one or the other. Well, I don't know what uh, Fresher's up to, but Parlance is the most uh, world traveling, Learjet flying. <laughs> Et cetera, et cetera, son of a gun you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah. I don't know why he owns a home, because he travels so much. He just wants to have some place he could hang his hat and then leave. I guess. So, uh, digital sales and freebies. Uh, this week, the freebies have not changed. Um, keep an eye on those. Some of the sales that have been going on for a while are still going on. That IDW Transformers Shadow of Unicron sale... Is still going on. The Dynamite Writers sale and the Archie Epic Riverdale sale is still going on. Uh, the two big two sales that are going on is Marvel is having a sale on their Inhumans-related stuff. And DC is having a sale called Hidden Gems. Now, I'm all for Hidden Gems, Todd. Mm -hmm. But the majority of this sale seems to be the same old, same old that they typically do. Um, for the most part, for the most part, um, you know, Flashpoint is in here. Um, Superman Emperor Joker, which pops up all the time, but it's great. I highly recommend it. Uh, Gotham Central, which we just talked about a week or two, I think last week, uh, is in this. But then you get into, like, I don't know if it's really hidden gems because it's kind of big namey stuff. Um, all of Batman No Man's Land is in this, which is interesting. Right. Um, all of 52 is in this. All of the, on the, the weekly series? If you want it as the weekly series individually, or if you want it collected across four trades. Okay, I didn't know if you meant New 52, but you would have said New. In I would have said New, Yes. Um, the original Jack Kirby Mr. Miracle stuff is in there. Hmm. The Jack Kirby Superpowers stuff is in there. Uh, the more recent Hanna-Barbera stuff, your Flintstones, your Future Quest, stuff like that is in there uh, as part of the sale. And the entirety, all of the one million issues of the DC One Million series is in this. So it's the one million mini and the one sh the one million issues of the ongoing titles at the time. Correct. Oh, cool. Um, I recommend getting Hitman one million because <laughs> that was really good. Uh, the Starman one million was pretty good too. Mm -hmm. So not really hidden gems per se, but uh, a lot of interesting stuff in the sale, and you know. There Old favorites. Emperor Joker is a classic, uh, and Gotham Central is a classic. You cannot go wrong with either one of those uh, books. Right. They're not so much hidden gems as they're calling them hidden stones now. You have to call gems stones. Oh, <laughs> I think, oh, you know what? I think maybe this is DC's thing of, since Marvel's no longer using gems, they've changed over to stones. They've co-opted gems. I would do it, son of Saturn. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. 
Uh, so again, digital sales freebies. We only got one book to talk about this week. Todd and I both read a bunch of stuff, but unfortunately nothing crossed over with each other. That is true. Um, I, I do just want to, I do kind of read things in sort of an urgency of what I want to make sure that I'm still caught up with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I do want to quote someone who sent me a message regarding uh, our weekly picks. Um, they said, Oh boy, I can't wait. Uh, I, I guess your book, typically when I see Todd's list, it's always full of DC garbage. Nice! Now, I don't agree with that statement, but I still thought it was funny. Oh, well, you know what? I'm glad I could fill my pool list with DC garbage for you. All right, so uh, the book that we're going to be discussing is Invincible Iron Man number 600, uh, written by, for the last time, at Marvel, for now. Uh, they say you can never, they, they say you can never go home, Todd. Mm-hmm. But you gotta leave to be able to go back home. That's right. How can I miss you if you won't go away, Todd? Mm-hmm. A great man once said. Um, with an art cast of, a th- of literally a thousand in this. Or slightly lower. Uh, at the very least, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I'll say. I'll put the over-under at seven artists on this book. I'd say there's more. I'd say it's more, but the uh, it's definitely seven or more. Uh, so this kind of wraps up everything that Bendis has been doing with Iron Man, which, if I would have guessed, wasn't the book that he's most remembered for. But it's also probably the one that it was the biggest title at the time as he was stepping away and was coming to the biggest number. Um, I, I honestly think maybe if – and he got sick. I, I wonder if, like, he would have liked to walk away with Jessica Jones being his last issue. You or know what I mean? Spider-Man. Right. Something that is a little more near and dear to his heart. Right. But so um. what did you – so I liked issue. it. You know, it kind of resets the pieces, kind of fixes everything more so, you know, and uh, we can kind of talk spoilers, I guess. Right. Um, with this, it resets the pieces of all the stuff that he did with Tony in the Iron Man books, but also what he did with Rhodey in Civil War Two. Right. Um, and I, also... I know death is permanent in comic books. Oh, death will always be around. It's permanent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just the characters' death in each company, but and also you get the storylines of where Ironheart was is going and Victor Von Doom, um, and there's a, the sub uh, plot with Tony's real parents. Um, I like this issue, but I really think this issue would have been better if maybe some of these plot lines, like came together at the end. It just seemed like it was like, here's a bunch of plots that are going on. We're going to throw them into 600 and, and I'm out. I mean, still, I like a lot of the stories. It just felt it just felt very busy and, and not interconnected in any way, shape or form. Right. It definitely felt like it was an oversized issue because my contract is up and we need, this could have been a six issue miniseries to wrap up all those storylines. Right, but because we have a 600 coming up, we think we're doing this big story. Right, and it wasn't bad. I, I did enjoy what Bendis did on 
Iron Man, but it certainly seems as though with this, you know, he's just reestablishing the status quo before he picked up the book. Right. Adding a few little things, kind of bringing in the Hickman shield stuff with like Leonardo da Vinci being around. Right. So that's the only thing that he's leaving in the Iron Man book, but it wasn't even something that was in the Iron Man book. It was in the unfinished John Hickman shield book. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's interesting to see where everything will be going with this, um, with Dan Slott taking over this book. Um, I haven't read any of the solicitation stuff for Dan Slott's run on the book. I'm kind of going into that blind. You know, it's Dan Slott taking over the book. I like Dan Slott. We'll see how this goes, you know? Right. I'm going to give it a try. I really don't know much about it, you know? So, we'll see. Right. The big thing that I want to see is, like, now, you know, rebooting Doctor Doom. That's, that's you know, with Fantastic Four coming up, I want to see with what happening. Who, who Victor's going to be mad at? And now it seems like he has... A ven- he could definitely have a vendetta that's almost close to the way he hated Reed with the hood. So I want to see where that goes. But not so much uh, Ironheart. I don't know. I don't know who. I don't even know if where, where she's going to end up. Right. So. Well, it says she's going to be in the Champions book. Right. So I probably won't be picking that up. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you. Um. I liked it good when uh, Mark Wade was writing it, mm-hmm. and then they changed the writer, and Mark Wade kind of—I don't want to say he wrapped things up, but it definitely felt like I'm done with the book, but I need to do a couple extra issues just to fill out whatever this is. Right. Yeah. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll be honest with you—I didn't give the new uh, creator a try. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see where Iron Man goes. Obviously, I would assume whatever the Fantastic Four book comes out in August, the uh, Doctor Doctor Doom will be there, as well he should be. So, So again, that's all we read from this past week. (laughs) Uh, coinciding, Coinciding together with what we read this past week. Very busy weekend, Memorial Day weekend yes. was. Uh, so let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, whether you wait for the trades, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned and be forearmed, know what's coming out. The two things that Todd and I are doing in the calendar year 2018 is one attempting to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Currently tied at 11 correct guesses each, so we're tied at zero and a million at the same time. <laughs> right. Uh, we're also keeping a running tally of how much money we have spent on comics, and this is the exactly end of the half year. No, we could still got one more. Right, we still got one more month, and uh, it's a lot of money we've spent on comics, Todd. Yes, we have. I'm just saying. And uh, a couple of your uh, typos were pointed out to me uh, that I haven't corrected yet, so let me fix those. Right, Descender, I don't know what number it is. Right, and it definitely is not Marvel 2-in-1 issue number one. I don't know what I I mean. It happens sometimes. Right. 
I don't notice either. Other people point it out to me. Oh, and they're talking about my DC garbage? Yes. Okay. So you go first, Todd. Yep, I was, I, I was, uh, my phone froze up. I had the, oh, well, this, I'll have to just guess off the top of my head. Um, is the book you're looking forward to the most? Because this is a crazy week. Um, Killer Be Killed? No. Oh, my God. So the old adage goes, Todd, it's typically kill or be killed, except for a week when Saga comes out and then it's Saga. But even when the weeks when Saga comes out and kill or be killed comes out, sometimes it could go either way. But Mm -hmm. it's neither one of those books, Todd. Right. The book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week is Amazing Spider-Man number 800. Oh, that's right. The big finale, even though he does get one more issue to kind of wrap things up before Nick Spencer takes over with a new number one. Uh, but this is kind of like the end of the big storyline, the return of Norman Osborn as the Red Goblin, uh, imbued with the Carnage symbiote, passing it along to possibly the most obvious member of the family to share in his evil. And how is Peter going to be able to stop him? I don't know, Todd. I can't wait to find out how. Mm-hmm. Now, for you, Todd, there's a bunch of stuff, and there's a bunch of wonky stuff. Todd, remember when fifth weeks were like a dumping ground for nothing? Yes. Yeah. That don't happen no more. No, it do not. Uh, I'm going to take a shot and say the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Man of Steel number one. It is Man of Steel number one. Bingo, bango, sugar in the gas tank. I got my lead back. If my stupid phone hadn't locked up, I would have picked Amazing Spider-Man 800. Stupid phone. A good workman doesn't blame his tools for his failure, Todd. Well, what does that say about the workman that I am? <laughs> well, it says you're terrible. Um, but really, that was the thing preventing you from saying Amazing Spider-Man number eight hundred. Probably, but I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the L this week. Right. I I'm a man of my uh, you know. Again, any other week it could have been Kill or Be Killed. Any other week it could have been Saga. Any other week it could have been Man of Steel number one for me. Any other week it could have been Doomsday Clock number five for me. And and Quantum and Woody, it has a new writer on right, it. Right, it's the the new creative team on Quantum and Woody. A lot going on this week, Todd. Marvel two and one for me. I mean, oh my god. The only thing is those those uh, Hanna Barbera books. I as I was doing this whole like list this week, and I looked down and I saw that they were four ninety nine books. I was like, oh you you dog you. That's how they button with you, Todd. DC junk for four ninety nine. <laughs> And uh, per request, I will do my best to uh, be able to read Aquamang and Jabberjaw number one uh, as they come out this week. Ooh. Speaking of which, I am someone's personal comic book assistant, Todd. Oh, my, you're a comic caddy? I'm more of a comic doggy. What? (laughs) You're, You're hanging around with me too much, but go ahead. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, uh, checking out the pull post, check out everything else that exists over there, whether the past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, the hit smash sensation of 2017, Todd and Joe have issues, everything that Todd and I have done on the internet exists over at longboxheroes.com, as does physical things that you could show your pride of being 
a uh, listener of the show in our little store where you could purchase pins and stickers and shirts with our fancy logo on them at a price that is a steal, many would say. Man of steals. Man of steals, yes. And <laughs> if you already have those uh, pins and stickers and shirts, you can always purchase to your heart's content through our Amazon click-through. Anything that you purchase there, we get a little bit of a kickback from. We do thank you, of course, uh, for anything and everything that is purchased through there. Some of the notable purchases this past week, Todd, uh, would be uh, someone purchased Command Damage Free Picture and Frame Hanging Hangers. Nice. Uh, someone also purchased Syxus, C-Y-X-U-S, Blue Light Blocking Computer Glasses. Okay. Now, in the description for that item, it said, helps you sleep better. I don't know how wearing glasses would help you sleep better, but far be it for me to question these things. Uh, LED under cabinet lighting, and also right side mirror glass for a Volkswagen was purchased. Oh, good. So thanks to everyone who purchased these things uh, through our click-through this past week. Todd, did we have anything in the Art Attack this week? Yes, we did. We had plenty of things. Um, Jason Sandberg, again, was still uh, trying to perfect his Sinat Mr. Fantastic. He's getting closer. Um, Euronymous, mega contributor, uh, has a Mike Norton cats sketch. I don't know if they're Euronymous' cats or they're just random cats, but they're very nice cats. Um, they, they are his. I have the inside track on that, Todd. Uh, those are uh, Euronymous' cats. I love when people get sketches. I always wanted to get – I had two dogs. I always wanted to get sketches of them with crypto, but I got to find the right artist. Um, I know an artist. Maybe I'll ask him. Um, Yakko.org, Jeremy T. Dennis, had a Casey – W. Kohler sketch cards that he had bought, which was, uh, one was Death's Head. I haven't seen that character in a long, long time. And a Transformer Scourge, which were very nice. I love sketch cards. They're nice. They're usually pretty affordable for people who don't have gigantic budgets to spend on cr the crazy amounts they charge for art sometimes, Joe. <laughs> I hear that they do, Todd. I hear that there are crazy amounts that they charge for art. <laughs> that is true. Speaking of which, Todd, you had an interesting Twitter, as the kids call it, thread this past week uh, in regards to some uh, art that I guess you saw or stole or I don't know how you acquired this art. I don't I, I know I don't own any of this art. Oh, OK, these were arts that I found out the prices of. And I'm not going to tell you how I found these prices out because I'm no Val Valentino. You're not a snitch. Is that what you're insinuating? Uh, no. I'm not the, the masked magician giving away my secrets. Oh. Did you know he was the masked magician? I knew it was Valentino. I didn't know his first name was Val Valentino. Which, you know, you got to have that C, you got to have that double V. But, uh, yes, no, I'm not going to tell you where I get this information. Then anybody could just look it up. I want to I wanna corner the market, Joe. Okay. Yes, no, uh, for information, you know what I'm saying? But, no, uh, Yes, there were some interesting pieces like Frank Miller is doing sketches now. It shows like you can get these. A lot of the artists, like I said, we mentioned like uh, Amanda Connors, one of them. We had an art attack. Uh, one of our listeners sent in that she does it now. It's like X amount of dollars. You get a figure. You get uh, signatures. You get prints, stuff like that. But uh, 
Frank Miller's doing them, and his doodles are $250, and they are doodles. I will admit that. And someone we know, an artist, a local artist at the comic shop, uh, not male but female, pointed out that for the one sketch, the first one that I did, it was $20 a line for what they uh, – what they did on that Dark Knight three Master Race uh, blank sketch cover. So I don't know, twenty dollars a line doesn't sound like a bad price. Not counting the signature, of course. Right, right. But uh, and he also had another two hundred and fifty dollar one that was a little better. Um, that I like a little better. But then he had a seven hundred and fifty dollar one that I was like, okay, that's. That's interesting, but it was a Daredevil version, and the person I th- I'm pretty sure didn't like it, so they had Joe Rubenstein ink it. So you got to tack some money on the top of that 750. Uh, to f- I don't know what Rubenstein would cost to ink it on a Daredevil blank sketch cover. Now the one I want to bring up is you show the uh, Jim Steranko mm-hmm. Nick Fury that was 150 bucks, right? If you're a Steranko guy, I don't think that's that bad for 150 bucks. It's not, and he has those at shows pre-done. Like oh, he'll okay. have different, yeah, like diff, yeah, diff, different characters. As a matter of fact, when uh, I met him at New York last year, he had a few pieces, and he was at uh, uh, Philadelphia, uh, a Philadelphia comic. Forget what it was called. When I got the James O'Barr piece and the Chris Cross piece, jump, jump. Um, it, he had like the 150, I think that might've actually been there when I was there, but that sold recently. I know cause somebody was posting it up. Um, I think it's, I, for him, he doesn't do anything like ever. Right. So I would pick one up, but I didn't have the cash on me at the time. Now, would that be more qualified, classified as a print than original art? Because I know a lot of times people will say like, uh, you know, if you want a sketch or something like that, you'll assume, it'll be like, oh, well, this is what I want. But if you're going to Steranko, as you mentioned, he doesn't do much. You know, I don't right. think he's doing much outside of Nick Fury. He might give you a Scorpio, but that's about it. Right. No, um, that wouldn't be considered a print, because a print is something that is was drawn for real and then made... Uh, mass produced. Whether it's even if it's five, you can get a you can get a small print run of it. But that's a sketch. Like that's legitimately on whether it's a piece of paper or a comic backing board. Um, it's drawn on there. Where a print is something that was drawn and then is taken to the printer and reproduced. Mm-hmm. As far as far as I, the way I understand it. And then it even I forget like even when I got that James O'Barr sketch I like I'm like oh I got this James O'Barr sketch of the crow and my brother I think it was on my Facebook was like wow that I, that seems pretty detailed for a sketch and I'm like it all comes down to like I've never really understood all the like like terms because you'll go and it'll be like it'll be a commission like is a commission something that you order and then have to go pick up is a sketch something that's like quick a doodle like i know what a doodle is like that's that's like pretty much standard but i don't know like these days a commission a sketch it all blurs together though commissions are usually more detailed right and that's you know and obviously that's the difference between right what the 150 will get you from steranko and what more money would get you from him not doing commissions, I'm guessing. Right, but like that James O'Barr, which is really nice, 
uh, that he did for me, like to me, that's he called it a sketch, but like that has the quality of what people consider a commission. So, and then you have stuff that's, you know, con there's, and then there's even like, I've heard people argue over, like, don't call what I did for you a, a con, a commission. That's a con sketch. Commissions are even better. Like there's sketches, con sketches, commission. I don't even, I just go, I bought art. That's basically right. There you go. You're, <laughs> that's very interesting that you say it in that fashion. Cause a little bit of that may cross over into some of the conversation that we're going to have here in just a little bit. Okay. You'll see how. Um, one thing I do just want to mention, um, we haven't been doing the mailbag a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a couple stuff to talk about, but lately we've just been talking about so much other stuff with the TV shows, the movies, and everything else like that, like we're going to do here. But I do just want to touch on this email that we got the other day uh, from longtime listener of the show, uh, Kevin Hellions, Team Hellions on Twitter. Uh, a very nice email, essentially, just saying, uh, you know, congratulating us on the hitting 400 episodes of this, uh, saying that he wakes up every Wednesday morning to make sure that the new episode is downloaded, uh, to guarantee that at least one hour of his workday is fun, uh, shows the comic book shop experience, going to the shore, store getting lost in the conversation, no matter where it goes, no hate, no gatekeeping, just good old-fashioned comics are fun conversation, and then he ends it, of course, with when did comics become a business? And I agree. I don't know when it came, became a business. We're still trying to figure mm-hmm. that out. That's, I think, what the through line of this show is. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, Star Trek was the, what, seven-year voyage? Five-year. Five-year. Five I knew it was something. I knew they were on a voyage, Todd. But it was the five-year voyage to discover what? strange and new life and new civilizations and to boldly go where no man has gone before while Gilligan and the skipper were doing a three hour tour, a three hour tour, a three hour tour. So I think that's the through line of this show. Like I said, is when did comics become a business? Right. Uh, but Kevin, thank you very much for listening uh, to the show. That was very nice of you to take the time out of your day to send us an email, uh, just to thank us. And that's really what the show is about. You know, we, we, we joke, quite a bit about how Todd doesn't listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I know there are certain podcasts that I listen to that are part of my daily routine or weekly routine or whatever it is that they come out. And, uh, you know, there are people, people on the shows that I know. So I'll give them a hard time when the show's running late or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's because I like the show and I'm familiar with them and I like to tease them and give them a hard time. I know there was a while ago, Another long-time listener to the show, a guy I've known for a long time, Dave Puente, gave me a hard time, uh, jokingly, of course, about some of the questionable editing that I do, Mm -hmm. and at first I took it to, I took great offense to it, but then I'm like, oh, he wouldn't have said that if he actually didn't care about the show. Moving on. (laughs) You know? So, uh, any criticism, negative or positive, is greatly appreciated. Trust me. Um, Right. I'm not going to search out negative criticism, though. I'm not that sort of guy. No, you're not a vanity searcher. No. I do have to go look up what gatekeeping means now, too. Oh, I can explain it when the show's over. Oh, okay. Okay. So, Todd, let's get into our TV and movie talk. We're going to do a little bit of a buffer here, just in case people don't want to be spoiled, unless there was something else I forgot before we get into that. I can't think of anything. All right. Uh, So... We do have the season finales of Krypton, we have the season finales of The Flash, and uh, then we'll get into uh, 
Han Goes West, a Star Wars tale. <laughs> what is it called? Now, this is the other thing, Todd. Because of the weekend was so screwy, I had to watch these early. So I took comprehensive notes on both shows. I watched I watched uh, Krypton shortly before we started this recording. Mm-hmm. I watched Flash all the way back on after we did the podcast last week. And solo story was Memorial Day night. I was I was I couldn't fit it into my schedule anywhere else. So I was all over the map. With, uh, and I have taken copious notes. And by that I mean I don't have a note to be found near me on any of this stuff. Oh my goodness! So uh, again, big finale here uh, for both the shows, but starting with Krypton, of course. The dome is down upon. Uh, Kandor, Brainiac is here in his full form, and, uh, he is getting ready to take Krypton, or take, uh, Kandor to fulfill the prophecy that Adam Strange came to prevent from happening. Mm-hmm. So, uh, from there, of course, we've got all these other plot threads still going throughout the show, everything with, uh... Seg's grandfather, that we learned that they could save him, that he's still alive. Zod tells us that he's trapped in the Phantom Zone and they can get him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they do, but then Zod's whole thing is now that they have the grandfather, he's going to make a deal with Brainiac to give up the grandfather to leave them be because the grandfather has knowledge of the past and the present and the future, which is something that Brainiac can't pass up. Right. Uh, So while all that's going on, um, the Sagittari are getting together to try to stop Brainiac from what he's doing, of course, to no end. Um, We learn more information about... And again, I'm so bad sometimes with these names. I apologize. Which one? Uh, The girl that Clark has the... Clark, listen to me. Seg... Has the kid with in the birthing matrix? Nisa. Nissa. Nissa, right. So it's revealed to her that she is a clone, that she died with her mother. And part of what the birthing matrix's true purpose is, a ripoff of the MST3K classic, Parts the Clonus Horror, where (laughs) uh, Peter Graves of A&E Biography is in charge of a company that just farms clones of people to steal their parts so that old, rich, white men could live forever. Right. That's what Krypton just became with this revelation of what the birthing matrixes are all about. Right. Um, However, the episode ends in a very shocking fashion, I would say. I agree. Yes. Um, I uh, did not expect the show to end in the way that it did. Not at all. And I think... Uh, basically what happened was to beat Brainiac, they bring him to the Fortress of Solitude on Krypton, and uh, Zod's bringing him to get the uh, uh, Seg's grandfather who has the knowledge of the future, and Seg's like, I know it's coming, so he tricks Zod and Brainiac by making the, the hologram everybody think that the hologram was the real grandfather, and they, so they can get Brainiac to stay on the spot where you can go up into the Phantom Zone, he sucks him into the fan zone, but in that process, 
a grabs with one of his tentacles, grabs Seg, starts pulling him in, and Seg realizes as he's going in, the cape is slowly returning on the Superman cape, which was almost gone up to this point. And he's he's like, you know, remember, wish for a better tomorrow, which was something that the grandfather told Seg before he supposedly died, and he gets sucked in, and the cape comes all the way back, and we're like, oh, well, they've saved Superman. I'm not really sure how this works. They've stopped Brainiac from taking Candor. The planet isn't going to explode. But now Zod takes over, and the cape reforms, but without the Superman symbol, with the a thousand times better Zod symbol on the back that Joe loves, um, shows up, and Zod is now ruling Krypton with an iron fist, and he's making people join the new Sagittari, and the bartender Dev, I think his name is, or... Uh, Dex yes. is is uh, is having to join up, and he doesn't look happy. And while this is going on, we find out that uh, that Adam is stuck in one of the shrunken cities, maybe in Brainiac's uh, collection. Collection, and we find out which is one of my favorite parts of the show is that in the collection, it doesn't just work like we always thought. It's like, oh, you live forever in this little bubble, you're shrunk down, and you live your life out like we've seen in the comics and the cartoons. No, it's you're stuck in a moment in time for the for all of eternity. You can't move, but you're conscious of it. And Brainiac just you know just like checks out people's psyches to study them and stuff like that. And I'm like, all. This whole episode was brilliant. I loved everything about it, where it all went. I no, I saw nothing coming. I like some of the reveals. I like that we don't even get the ending of certain storylines on some of these characters, like uh, Lyda's mother disappeared last episode. We haven't seen her. Um, Nissa's father, who crashed his uh, skiff, is, is, is he dead, isn't he? And then on top of that, while all this is going on, they, they stop Brainiac, Zod's in charge, and maybe somebody's trying to burst out of a container, which gave me goosebumps mm-hmm. when I saw D- uh, Doomsday. Like, you know, maybe it's time for make me my power play. Just screaming as he smashes through the glass. I'm like, give me season two now. I want to see season two now. Right, because he's going to go after whoever the strongest person is currently in the area, and that currently is Zod, right? Mm-hmm. But he's not Super Zod. Mm-hmm. He's normal Red Sun Zod. Well, I would assume that he has the most power. Right, but what I'm saying is it's a bit of a lopsided fight. Right, which so, is a bit of a problem. Right, Zod's going to have to take it up a notch. But then again, this might not be Doomsday who, you know, built up all that, you know, like, able to fight Superman. Like, this might be early in his career where he's not as involved. Like, Doomsday works that he every time he dies, he comes back better be- than before and can't be killed that way. Maybe he hasn't been really killed too many ways, so Zod's got a shot, you know what I'm saying? Right. But then he'll come back to life and Zod will have to find a new way. I'm excited for whatever the next season is. I know it got picked up for a second season. I don't know when that's going to be, but uh, I'm excited. I am too. I'm genuinely pleased with uh, Krypton. Ten, ten episodes. Uh, I do think in the end it's all going to be wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's going to come back to that moment, whether it's Adam Strange, a.k.a. Booster Gold, and stops him from being sucked into the to the thing, and then they have to stop Brainiac for real. Because it has to go the course, but uh, I want to see how they do that. Me too. Again, this show was a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. 
So another show that's always a pleasant surprise, at least, uh, this season is the season finale of The Flash. Uh, everything is coming to terms for The Thinker. He's launched his satellites, everything's turning purple. Uh, it's shutting off all the power, so it's giving everyone some time before all of their brains shut off. While this is going on, uh... Joe's girlfriend, they're not married. What's her face? Uh, Cecile. Cecile is having the baby. They're at Star Labs, so Caitlin has to deliver the baby. And the way that they figure out how to do this is Marlee shows up and says that we could use uh, Cecile. Cecile's power to allow Barry to enter into... Uh, the thinker's mind and find the good version of him that's left. Mm -hmm. He finds Ralph still in there, but they also find the good version of Clifford, but he's dead. So the good version of the thinker now is Ralph Dibney because it's his body that he's using. Right. And that's why he hasn't killed him is because he needs him to, I guess, like hold the body. You know what I mean? So that's an interesting aspect, but they figure out if they get Ralph out through the portal, that, you know, is the whole like inception kind of a thing. They'll get out and then it, he, uh, Ralph will take the, it will excise the thinker out of Ralph Dibney's body is, I guess, the plan. So they end up, they, he ends up getting him out. Um, and, he re he reverts back to the chair, but a hologram version of it because he has the Kilgore's powers over technology. But this is the part I don't understand. I wanted to ask you because now he's he's in the chair and he's a cyber version hologram of himself, and he says, "I've predicted everything, even this." And his his wife shuts the chair down from behind, like rips a component out, basically killing the thinker. Was he saying that he predicted this whole time that she would take him down? Because I don't understand that ending. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe. That's all, that's, that's all you have. I'm just asking. Unfortunately, that's all I have. Yes. Okay. Because I wasn't happy with the ending of the thinker. Mm -hmm. it's, but, right. It felt as though he was beaten way too easy. Right, but and he knew he was going to be beat somehow, and he let it happen. I don't know. I, I was just very confused on that. But the sub-story that I loved was Harrison Wells becoming dumb, and then he they kind of fixed him for a minute, and then he is now comp normal, but he, he – of normal intelligence, and he's happier. He seems happier, and he's nicer, and the moment with them all together – was probably some of the best, you know, because the guy who plays Harrison Wells is just the best actor on the show, and I loved that scene. I was, I was like, I was taken back by how awesome that scene was of him saying goodbye and going home to see Jesse, uh, his daughter. Right, but of course Wells can never be gone from the show. No, I'm wondering if his contract's up. I hope not, but I'm wondering how he'll come back. You know what I mean? Well, they still have the connection to Earth, too. Right. Um, you know, obviously they could close that off for a little bit and do that as, like, the mid-season whatever or the post-season whatever for sweeps and all that sort of jazz to bring 
the Earth 2 people back. But where we get the cliffhanger here is everyone's back at Joe and Cecile's home. They're celebrating the babies coming home. Wally is back, kind of closing his little chapter of his time with the Legends of Tomorrow. He's going back, though. That's oh, the way I took back. That's the way I took it. He's like, I came back just for this, uh, but where I feel I'm needed is the Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, okay. That's kind of what he's, that's what I gathered from what he said. So I'm thinking he is going to go back because they're short members, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. And he had a different haircut. Of course he did. He's on his 40th haircut this, uh, his entire run. I don't know. <laughs> No pun intended, run. So, lastly, we finally get the reveal of who that mystery girl is, and they even acknowledge it. They're like, hey, weren't you the caterer person? Weren't you the one who bought us the coffee? Weren't you the one who spilled the coffee? Weren't you the one who did this, that, the other thing? Mm -hmm. And we were right, but we were wrong. Because I thought she was going to be Joe and Cecile's baby. Right. Turns out that she's Barry and Iris' kid. Mm Mm-hmm. And in a Back to the Future plot twist, she comes back to them for help because she did something and messed something up. Right. So I, I back when we suspected who she was, I was like she was either excess, which is Barry's, Barry's cousin. Uh, no, excess uh, is one of. Uh, she's is one of Barry's grandkids. Okay, because she's Impulse's cousin. Okay, yes. Um, because he has two kids, and they're the Tornado Twins, and they're Don, and I forget what the 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 guy's name is, but that's who I who uh this is. But I they named her Nora in the episode because they they gave Barry's mother's name as Nora, so they named her after her, and. Um, so she's one of the tornado twins, and then Bart was the son of the the boy that that Barry and and uh, Iris had. So I don't know what they're going with there. So I kind of always knew that it would either be uh, the daughter or the granddaughter, but they were kind of. I was like, are they going to make Joe? Because it would still be. Because then it would be a West. I'm not. I'm not really sure, but I kind of figured that was the way they were going, and it was all a clever ruse on their part. Hmm. So I guess what did you think overall of the new season? Um, I liked a lot of this season, especially for the feel. I liked the feel of the season because it was lighter than the new Fifty Two Flashpoint, you know, grim and gritty season three. But I think other than the Wells stuff, and Wells is always the best part of the show. I don't think they stuck the landing with the end of this season. As we had mentioned, I think the problem being is the ambiguity of how easily the thinker was defeated. Right. And there was something else I, when I was at the concert over the weekend, I was talking to Josh and he said, now I don't know how true this is because I'd have to go look it up, is that there was suppo- there was suppo- there it was part of the news and in the Twitter feeds and stuff like that. They're like, and when, when the reveal of who the villain is for next season, you'll know immediately what storyline or something, something, something. And I guess they there was supposed to be the debut of season five's villain, but they cut it. Oh. And they're like, we're going to do it. We're going to announce it sometime later. Like, we're going to do it at Comic-Con. And I'm like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't, you can't 
like if that's what happened and I'd have to look it up, that's dirty pool. Like you can't announce the villain that you were going to have set up the villain in the, in the episode. I may have to look that up later. I could be wrong, but you never know. But I am, I, I enjoyed the season. Like I said, I just, they, they built the thinker up so huge as this unstoppable villain. And then he was just beaten relatively easily. I agree. Star Wars, a Han Solo goes west, something story. Right, so that's the last bit of business that we have to discuss here, uh, is Solo, a Star Wars story. Right. Now, to kind of get a little bit of the stuff there out of the way, so this has been, I don't want to say a cursed production, but there's been a lot with this production. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Lord and Miller... Lord and Taylor, the guys who did the Lego movie, were originally supposed to do this, but then Disney or Lucasfilm didn't like what they turned in. Then there was discussions that the kid who plays uh, Han Solo when he's a not little boy, but a younger version of him, is a bad actor. And then all sorts of stuff. So this was a this is a movie that had a lot going against it coming out. Mm-hmm. So even in trying to avoid as much as I can, stuff was filtering into me. People were tagging me in positive reviews. Other people around me were telling me of all the bad reviews that they read. And I'm just like, I want to go into this as clean as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, I enjoyed Solo, a Star Wars story. And for what it was which was a light story with nowhere near as heavy consequences as any other Star Wars movie, I felt this movie delivered on what it set out to be, not what other people hoped it would be. Does that make any sense? I agree. Okay. It is a... The consequences pretty much only affect Han Solo... Right. They're not galaxy-wide. They're not, you know, the Empire. The fact that there's no Jedi stuff in it, no Force. Right. Okay, well, we're in spoiler talk. Right, but I was going to get to that. What I mean is... Little to no. Little to no Force or Empire or Jedi or Sith or any of that nonsense in this. Right, because none of the characters in in the, the criminal, like, you know, heist have Force powers... Nobody even says may the force be with you, which I like because we're at the point now in the story storyline where, you know, the, 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 the Jedi are gone. We're at a, you know, a generation of people who haven't kind of seen them a lot. And, you know, I, and I'm cool with that. So I like that, that it's, there's no Jedi running around. And, um, I, I liked it for what it was. It was, a, it was a, f- a fun heist movie origin story for Han Solo and like a little bit of Lando Calrissian and it it was good. I had problems with the film. Okay. But overall, I enjoyed it and I there were things that I absolutely loved. Um the one of the problems that I had with the film was not a problem with was with I di- I could not see Han as Han, the guy who plays Han until he hooked up with Chewbacca. 
And then, because I'm like, right off the bat, I didn't hate the guy who played Han, but I didn't love him. Mm-hmm. So he's the guy who's playing a young Han Solo, if that makes any sense. Yes. Um, and that scene where he meets up with with Chewbacca in the mud pit thing, mm-hmm. I thought that was a great scene. Right. And then they're Han and Chewbacca the, er- the early years. And I'm fine with it. I'm like, all right, now he's Han. Mm-hmm. But my thing was because he was trying to be charming and like, you know, like the scoundrel. And now I don't know if it's because he's not a good actor or the fact that they were writing him as, hey, this is an unpolished Han Solo. He doesn't have the charm yet. It doesn't work yet. He's trying. So it's a real rough guess, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I'm kind of like, he's I don't exuding know. a fake confidence. Mm hmm. That we as the watcher of the movie know that he has earned in the future. Right. But now he's just a brash kid with nothing to back it up. When he kind of shows up with the swagger that he has as Han Solo, by the end of the first movie, he's earned it. Right, but he still, like, gets into trouble kind of a thing. So I like that. So this is that thing. So when he hooks up with Chewbacca, it's like, all right, it feels better. It feels right. I'm I'm good with it. The other problem I had with the movie is the music. Okay. The music was too loud at times early. (laughs) And it was used... It was used wrong. It was just like, I didn't know whether the music was... Was was used wrong, or or Ron Howard didn't know how to direct the scene for the music, because later on it works when you when you're hitting the uh, like the end of the movie and the stakes are rising and people are fighting. That's when you have the the symphony and it rises. But up to that point, everything was at that point. All right, the train heist you should have some there, but they would just be walking to where they're going to meet the guy with the goods that they stole, and you're like, or it's like they had a conversation in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, and it's right. like there's a moment of silence as they're transitioning to the next scene. Play mm-hmm. some music, right? And it's. Just, it's a symphony. You're like, no, there's no, this should be subdued. Like, I don't, I think it's going to be a problem now that John Williams is gone. Like, that they're going to, to score the movies is going to be much, much different. It's going to be like, these are people trying to do uh, John Williams and missing. Um, Like I said, it worked in spots, but that was my biggest point. I was like, some of your music cues are absolutely god-awful in this music. And that's weird for me to, like, notice something like that. Right. I noticed it, but it wasn't as glaring to me. I have other stuff to bring up that I'm not going to say is negative, but I just have to mention. Okay. Well, those were my two problems with the movie. Okay. So they they reeled it back a little bit more on the fan service-y stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, I did mark out the same amount. For when they said Bosk is Bosk's name, right? As I did for seeing Clint Howard in the movie. Oh, Clint Howard was fantastic. Right, tour de force. If there was going to be a force sensitive character in the movie, it should have been him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like how with all these new films, every newly introduced robot sidekick gets sassier and sassier. Oh, you you said it right because I was uh, having an argument with somebody today, and they're like, "I hated what was what was her name L seven, yes." And I'm like, "What's a Star Wars movie without a sassy robot?" Right, and they have to get sassier and sassier. Mm-hmm. You got to up the sassy. Mm-hmm. Now the other thing is, 
Um, so I'm excited to see where things go. I'd like to see a sequel to this, to see Han and the first introdu- like his first interactions, because you could have completely blown all the Han plots out of the water here. You could have blown out the Jabba the Hutt stuff. You could have blown out the Boba Fett stuff. You could have blown it all out in this. But right. they didn't. They were hoping that this movie would be successful and they could make a sequel. Now, sadly... Financially and critically, it may not have been exactly where it was, but at the end of the day, did you, the royal you, you and I, Todd, me, enjoy the movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things is, and this, how you had mentioned before when we were talking about the art. I got a piece mm-hmm. of art. And then there's all this discussion of like, well, it's a con sketch, it's a private sketch, it's a this, it's a that, right? Mm-hmm. Um... This movie was enjoyable to me, and as I understand it, if you are much more steeped in all facets of Star Wars that are still allowed as canon per the Disney buyout, specifically the Clone Wars and Rebels cartoons, Mm -hmm. the Darth Maul reveal, specifically looking the way that he did, is a much bigger deal. Okay. Because Darth Maul with the spider legs, the robot body... Mm-hmm. is a big deal in the Rebels cartoon. Right. So now this movie is directly tied into that and puts it into a specific spot in the new timeline. Mm-hmm. That is something that popped into my head, and I'm like, I just realized that I'm not that big of a Star Wars nerd anymore, because if I was, I would care about where exactly this fits in. I 100% agree with you because I knew that uh, Darth Maul survives, you know, the 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 the, the original the early trilogy, and he comes back and he's in the cartoons and the whatever. Right. I knew, but I didn't care. I'm like, that's done, that's gone. I'm not watching those. And I knew Dar- Darth Maul was back. So when he popped up, I was like, oh, that's cool. I knew he was back. But I was with people watching the movie who were like. I didn't know he was alive. That like that was big, and I was like, "Yeah, but you know, I don't. You know, I, he's not with the Empire because he failed the Emperor. You know what I mean? Like, so that's like I said. When, but when I said before that that didn't really touch on the Force, I don't count that so much as a cameo appearance. Do you know what I mean? As Force stuff. So I didn't mind. Like I, I, I didn't. It was just nice. I am not going to get wrapped up in all that continuity, especially when I have to relearn it. Uh, whatever. Darth Maul, nice to see you. Right. I'm too old to relearn new continuity. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to tell you my biggest problem with the movie. Mm-hmm. My biggest problem with the movie was Woody Harrelson. Right. And it's nothing to do with Woody Harrelson's performance, and it's nothing to do with the character that he played in the movie. Woody Harrelson now, unfortunately, has transcended the part or the point of an actor where I can no longer see him in the role that he's playing. He's always Woody Harrelson to me. See, I would agree with you on that. You need, and you're never going to see it because I know how you operate, supposed to. You need to see him with uh, Matthew McConaughey. In True Detective, that uh, the HBO show, ten episodes or whatever, and that will that 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 was like the sorbet that cleaned my palate for for uh, Woody Harrelson mm-hmm. because when I watched that and I I ended up showing that to a couple of friends that I had and I was like, 
you forget that Woody Harrelson can like legit act. No, no, and see, it's not so much of his performance because I thought he did a great job. Oh, I agree, but, but what the whole time saying... I'm like, why is Woody Harrelson a Star Wars movie? I it's it, he's he's at the point where to me, and again, this is not a bad thing, but mm-hmm. he's he's a Tom Cruise or a Will Smith where even when they're playing a different character, a different role, or whatever it is, I'm like, oh, but that's Will Smith, that's Tom Cruise, and that's Woody Harrelson. That's uh, who Vince Vaughn, Jack Nicholas, uh, like they, the list goes on. They they may have been earlier in their career, but then they get a character, and it's like ride that character to the grave. Mm-hmm. I, if that's kind of what you mean, but it's I not don't even know. so much as a character. I think it's just because they're. They've been around for so long. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that they ride the same character into the grave, but m- most of the characters that they play have that same tone to them. And I think that's what, when they get the job, that's what the director wants. Mm-hmm. Like, we want the familiar. We don't want, we don't want strange new ground for this tentpole movie. We're hiring Woody Harrelson for Woody Harrelson. If, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? So that's where I, I think that they were going with it. Now, the same way that you see that is like Glover doing Lando Calrissian. He takes, he takes Billy D. Williams Lando and knocks it up like a thousand notches. Mm-hmm. And I loved Lando Calrissian. And I want to say one thing because there's a moment with, uh, with Han and his girlfriend at the time in the Millennium Falcon when they're going on the mission and she's trying on the capes and they're going to, and Han just can't get any action on the Millennium Falcon. He always gets interrupted. But while they're standing next to the capes and the shirts, I'm like, you know, royal blue, a crimson red. I'm like, is that a Hawaiian shirt for Lando Calrissian? In that scene, they're, you're listening to everything they're saying. I will give this is the most brilliant of of Ron Howard's direction. Is you're like, okay, yes, okay, I see, I see, yes, you love each other, but you can't be together. Maybe that that's a yellow shirt. Yeah, all right. So you want to be together? <laughs> and wait, is that like got a some kind of Hawaiian pattern on it? Okay, okay, all right. So you're gonna kiss now. No, really, that's a weird shirt to be in all those. And I'm like, okay. So Woody Harrelson breaks up the scene. And then when they play the Sabak game at the end and he's wearing that shirt, I'm like, Ron Howard, this is the greatest film ever made just because of these two scenes. Howard, you've done it again. <laughs> yes. There. He didn't do it again, Todd. Oh. The narrator. But I was like, that was really cool to me. Well, you and, well, you remember the episode of The Simpsons where he pitches the the movie where uh, right. the partner's the pie, mm-hmm. and the guy the says, "Howard, you've done it again." And he just hands him two bags of money, right. and the episode ends with them holding the two bags of money and they play the Happy Days theme song. <laughs> you can't have the movie without the Hawaiian Lando shirt. It's the heart of the movie, Joe. Oh my goodness. So but. I enjoyed Solo. Don't let the negative reviews and everything else about it kind of go in with an open mind that it's Star Wars characters in a much lower stakes situation. Right. And the last thing that I want to just talk about is because I loved it is how Han made the Falcon the Falcon towards the end of the movie. <laughs> like it was by being it a is- careless dirtbag. 
Yes, he just he just runs it into the ground. But it like it's a brand new ship. It's got racing stripes. It's got all the things. It's got it's, an escape pod. Yes, it's got an escape pod. Escape pod. When Han's done with it, it's the Millennium Falcon is the fastest ship in the fleet because it's got speed holes, Joe. Speed <laughs> holes, he, eh? Because <laughs> he's just tearing it up. I'm like, the 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 journey of the Falcon is might be my favorite character in uh, Star all of Star Wars. So it is a character. I stand by that, and I said that years ago. And you're not wrong. I I agree with that statement. Right. So yeah, I enjoyed the movie too. It's a fun, lighter Star Wars movie, and I hope some of these in between the like the the Star Wars numbered movies, like you know, uh, uh, Force Awakens and stuff like that. I would like an occasional Han Solo movie or something, you know, different tones for whatever you're going to do, whatever character you're going to pick. So I say see it and make up your own one. So there's supposed to be Obi-Wan and Boba Fett movies on the docket next. Right. And the guy who's doing, I did not want, I don't care about Boba Fett. And then when I found out who the director was, um, do you know, I don't know his name, but he did the Logan Wolverine movie. And 310 to Yuma, and I'm like, I'm in. I'm like, whatever he does with Boba Fett, the worst Star Wars character ever, I'm in. Oh, he's not the worst character ever. That's my hot take. He got taken out by a blind guy. He's not a, come on. No, he could see. Instead of seeing a big dark blur, he saw a big light blur. <laughs> True. I, I, I thought you couldn't see. I, I can. Higher. Aim higher. With that great new CGI Sarlacc pit. In the in the recuts, Ugh. Ugh. I don't know what you're talking about, Todd. That doesn't exist in my world. And I like the fact that when it comes to Woody Harrelson, Han shot first. Touche. Mm-hmm. Reestablishing that in the continuity. Mm-hmm. If only they had uh, Woody Harrelson shoot first, but his gun being pointed straight. And the beam going out diagonally another direction. And they moved the torso a little bit to like, right. and uh, and and the vision was in the movie and keeping the tradition of Hans uh, Star Wars villains being like Bond villains, they have to be disfigured in some way. Yes, I thought Paul Bettany did a good job as a scenery chewing uh, villain. Which and he only had like what ten minutes a scene when he was. I would say so, but every scene that he was in, he was really good. Weren't you like genuinely frightened as to what he would do? Yes, that's the that's a great part about a villain. So good, good all around movie. I recommend it. I say check it out. You won't I, be disappointed. I don't, right, not amazing, but mm-hmm. really good. Uh, so to kind of wrap things up, I guess what are we gonna do for the coming several weeks until the sh- all the shows return? I don't know. We've got at least three months. Uh, I'll open it up to you, the listeners. I'm open to suggestions. Uh, is there something you'd like to see Todd and I watch? Or something that Todd has watched and you'd like to see him watch? A TV show? Or maybe nothing. Just uh, let's get these shows over in a timely fashion and <laughs> eliminate the TV. Now, we can certainly talk about Outcast when that actually debuts in the States. Oh, you beat me to it. Outcast had a second season? It's Well, it's gonna. Right. I keep dangling that carrot that I'm going to watch uh, Riverdale, because that's all on Netflix, right? Yes. Riverdale's so good. All right. So good. 
So unless we get a better choice between now and the next recording, I guarantee you, by the time that we record our next episode, I will have watched at least one episode of Riverdale. Mm-hmm. And we'll discuss it here. You're going to just start. If we do that, it's going to be season one? Yes. All right. So we're going to keep in contact. You let me. So I could rewatch it. Yes. You know what I mean? If we're going to do it. So. All right. Sounds like a plan, man. All right. So, hey, Todd, 400 episodes. That that fast, 400, huh? And if you count uh, After Darks, we're like almost at 600. Oh, uh, so we should just jump to 600. <laughs> no, because then we're combining the numbers and it's two sec. But we've done a cumulative 584 podcasts. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when you picked me just for a warm body and it turned out so well? <laughs> what well, was you and DJ and then DJ left us high and dry? That's right. He was busy and he didn't like recording and he had to record after nine o'clock because minutes were free back then after nine o'clock. Remember that? Yes. Remember when you were shackled to to when you could call? If not, it was going against you. Oh, and that wasn't that long ago. That was only like seven or eight years ago. That's right. Now that was the wild. Now it's the wild, wild west of minutes. Mm hmm. Oh, my goodness. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening and bearing with us uh, on this longer-than-normal episode when we had nothing to talk about. Pretty much. All right. So for Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening to the last 400. Here's to 400 more, and we'll catch you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boo!